it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade here. Thanks so much for listening. Be excited to be back with you on this Thursday. Uh, Mike Rogers is standing by. Uh, you know Mike Rogers, the former congressman and former chair of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence and FBI guy. And then Carly Shimkus at the bottom of the hour. Who said to me, Brian, what are we talking about? I said, Carly, you could talk about anything. I've been watching you since four in the morning. And she backed off. But she did have a preference for what's happening with one of my big three. So I'll get to that, too. And I just got to urge you to, to download the podcast. I can't tell you how many people say, I didn't even know you had a radio show. I just thought you had a podcast. So Brian Kilmeade Show, wherever you get podcasts, just download it. BrianKilmeadeShow.com. So uh, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. There is no doubt that Hunter Biden was part of a Chinese intelligence um, mission that was trying to gather as much information as possible about Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and the entire Biden family. But now we got specifics, and this is going to blow you away. Hunter hijinks reaches new heights as new intel reveals one of his assistants or co-workers was a Chinese spy and, by the way, urged him to get his father to run for president and also offered a Chinese strategy for the presidential candidate turned president. The ripple effects are incalculable, but the question is, why was this intel given to and not acquired by the FBI? Number two. The spending. Republicans are spending 80% of their money on offense, 20% on defense. The Democrats are the opposite. They're spending 20% of their money on, on offense and 80% on defense. Over time, that kind of funding difference is going to erode uh, Democratic gains. Yeah, and that's what's happening right now. Midterm mania reaching new heights as debates, polls, and accusations fly. But could a red wave be stifled? The new congressional generic poll is trending Democrats' way. No joke. Number one. We're making serious progress in getting prices close to what they were before the pandemic. Okay. Joe Biden. President Biden offers a fictional view of the economy in America. What he said and what the numbers show in his blame game strategy, well, it reaches new heights. Or should I say lows? Mike Rogers joins us now. Uh, Mike, welcome back. Brian, it's always good to be back, my friend. I do, do not feel bad if you did not know this, because as I, as I read this this morning in the New York Post and then watched it on Fox & Friends first, I didn't know this. But James Comer sent a letter. He's going to be the future, possibly, uh, oversight chair. Sent a letter to FBI Director Ray uh, on Wednesday morning. Uh, stating that the committee have documents that reveal that Hunter Biden's business partner and close personal associate was linked to the Chinese Communist Party. In fact, one to one of these universities, FBI guys like you have identified as someone who is trained to be an agent, infiltrated into the company of Hunter Biden, and also with text messages revealed, this is public, already urging Hunter to urge her dad to run for president. I mean, this is pretty substantial, don't you think? Well, in the FBI, we would call that evidence a clue. Uh, it's <laughs> thank I mean, you. It's pretty, pretty <laughs> it's pretty shocking. Um, just how aggressive the Chinese are and have been. This isn't anything new. Uh, this is something that they've uh, been known to do. And so those connections I mean that in and of itself is probably not 
a crime. I mean, unless they absolutely knew him to be an agent. But what you have to do anytime you're doing business with anyone associated with the government in China is understand that they the Ministry uh, of Security for for the Chinese uh, Communist Party will use those relationships relentlessly. And so all of that has to be taken into caution. And how that didn't come out earlier, even in the other discussions about the Chinese contract and him traveling with the president to China, that turns a whole new light on all of those activities. And, and candidly, you know, you know, light uh, sunshine is the best uh, sanitation always. Boy, it sure just does not look good for them if this is in fact true. So, so Mike, I the last thing I want to do is get sidetracked to someone that doesn't matter and get into politics. The only reason I bring this up because to me it matters. When Diane Feinstein's driver for years was a Chinese spy, that's a problem because you know how many conversations, substantial conversations you have in cars and being transported, especially when you're 3,000 miles away and taking planes and and car transportation as much as Senator Feinstein. Now she's got dementia. Who knows what she gave up? And I don't say that uh, uh, gladly, but it's a fact. I don't know how she continues to serve. But when when it comes to this Hunter Biden situation, we know CEFC played a vital role in the Belt and Road Program designed to give maximum influence of the Chinese government with developing nations often that are in desperate need of an inflection of cash and undermine American influence. He is with part of a company that was building the Belt and Road Program, anti-American by its definition and intent. Does that enhance interest? Oh, completely. I, I, listen, it sounds, again, you know, I, I'm a big believer in, in, uh, in law enforcement being able to decipher to make sure these things are true. But I will say that if you are participating in a company uh, and profiting from a company that is engaged in the Belt and Road Initiative, you are directly working against U.S. interests. Because what the Chinese were doing uh, in that whole purpose of that program is to co-opt nations uh, into the sphere of influence of the Chinese Communist Party, pure mm-hmm. and simple. That's exactly why they're doing it. Uh, in matter of fact, they're using debt. Uh, as a cudgel, meaning in many of these cases, they'd say, okay, well, we'll loan you the money. We'll bring the people to build it. It won't cost you a dime. We'll loan you, quote, unquote, the money to do it. And then what happens is some of these countries can't pay it. And so the Chinese say, well, this is no problem. We'll just take over the port or the train rail or the fill in the blank. And we've seen them do it over and over. And this is all by design. Uh, and it's all the Communist Party, again, looking to try to knock the U.S. off of the, off of the stage. And so are there always going to be greedy Americans who think that it's okay to make a few bucks on that? Probably so. But we need to wake up to what is actually happening by the Chinese Communist Party and their interest to supplant U.S. Uh, interest and influence around the world. It's, it's that serious. And here's the crazy thing, Brian. They tell, they've been talking about this for years. Chinese will tell you kind of what they're doing, uh, and we just kind of merrily whistle by the graveyard here as we're participating in some of these activities. But knowing how close, uh, and again, this would if I were an FBI guy today, I would look at that relationship in his office, on Hunter Biden's office, and the trip to China, and uh, when he went with uh, now President Biden, and then there were some contracts, at least it was reported in the press that there were some contracts there. That all needs to be you, – you got to grab that thread and pull it. And even if he naively fell into all of those things, uh, what that does mean is that we need to expose the length and depth and persistence of the Chinese intelligence services to try to do bad things 
uh, here in the United States. So tell me about this Huawei deal. They found an agent. They ended up flipping on him who tried to compromise uh, an American and get details on the case against Huawei, the famed Chinese telecommunications company. And uh, instead, they able to lay him out and kind of get him as much information of him as possible. What could you tell me that's been laid out by the federal government about this uh, about this Chinese spy? Yeah, and so I'm sure you remember this. Back in 2012, uh, I released when I was chairman of the Intel Committee the report that said, "Hey, we have a problem with Huawei. This is a a tool of the Chinese Communist Party state, and they're going to use data collected on those networks." Uh, to do bad things both here in the United States to our allies abroad. And so this is not a telecommunications company like we would recognize it. It is a tool of the state collection, uh, you know, surveillance state of, of China. And so that report came out in 2012, and then we have slowly and progressively tried to get people to understand the threats of a company like Huawei. Telecommun- and by the way, they would come in to you and say, hey, we'll give you a cheap Huawei phone, hardly anything. We'll put your network out in the United States, hardly cost you a penny. And if you look at it, no way they were making money. But they weren't interested in making money. They were interested in collecting data off of those networks. And so what happened is this is, this is very typical of Chinese intelligence services. They found somebody that, that was close enough that they believed could get into our federal court system. Remember, this is how aggressive they are, which tells you, you know, how we need to change our game here in the United States when it comes to uh, pushing back on Chinese uh, malign efforts around the world, including here. Uh, they found somebody they could pick off, yep. try to get back into the court, and steal documents that would help them understand what the federal government, the FBI, was doing to target Huawei connection to the Communist Party in China. Uh, and so we have to be aware of this. We know about them buying land around military bases and key farmland to maybe convert it and deny us our own crops. So we have to be aware of this. Do you think this CHIPS deal, which was somewhat bipartisan and originally a Republican idea, do you think this CHIPS deal, it's going to be unveiled today in Syracuse, was part of bringing manufacturing home, um, is a step in the right direction? I do. Um, you know, I always get worried about the implementation that one, one of the first things the Biden administration said is we're going to create two new departments in commerce and take about $450 billion or million dollars, excuse me, to run it. And I went, okay, well, that tells me we've got problems already. The idea is great. It, we need to be a lot more nimble. We need to get these companies who we know have capability to do high-performing chips. And right now, 90% of those high-performing chips are produced in Taiwan, which is why China is rattling – part of the reason why China, China is rattling the saber about taking over Taiwan. And you think we have problems today with supply chain. Wait till China decides they want to go into Taiwan. It, it will directly impact every everybody, every one of your listeners in some way if you're out in the economy in any way. Those chips are so critically important. So it's important. We have to get on it. We have to do it yesterday. Uh, it needs. To, we don't need big government programs to implement it. Uh, we need uh, very quick action to get the investment that we need. And again, I'm I'm a free market guy. I think you are too, Brian. Uh, but what this is is we need to protect our defensive uh, defense industrial base. Yep. So that if something bad, God forbid, happens in the world, we are able to produce the things we need to do to keep us safe. And I think chips is a part of that. And look, it's bipartisan. If I'm a, if I'm running for any office of significance. I say, listen, I'm, I'm, what I'm going to tell you now should be Republican and Democrat. We should rally around. If, if you're running on the pro-China stance, you're, it's anti-American. That means you've been bought and sold. 
And I yeah. thoroughly believe that. And if businesses don't understand there's got to be – you have to have a streak of patriotism in you. I'm all for capitalism and free markets, but not at the expense of national security. And the Blackstones of the world and the Nikes of the world have to realize that. Is my statement naive? If you were still uh, chairman of the uh, Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, w- would you have any luck meeting with these major corporations and convincing them to pull out – um, well, I have been doing that, actually, even on the private sector side of things since I left Congress. And it's a tough sell for them because the market is so big. Um, and, and candidly, they didn't want, many of these corporations did not want to understand what the threat was. Uh, and every, that's why you have – there's a whole conversation in America, oh, that's not too bad. We shouldn't really worry about it. Those are just people who are, you know, sable rattlers. Well, none of that is true. Uh, it is a real thing. I mean, and the more of these indictments come out, think of this. Every 10 hours, the FBI opens up a new Chinese espionage case in the United States. Every 10 hours, which which tells you that is an unbelievable number. Uh, it, was, it just pales anything we ever had, and even in the Cold War, uh, when it was spy versus spy. And so they're just really aggressive. Mm-hmm. And we are making some headway into understanding uh, that the Chinese just don't have our interests aligned. Uh, and by the way, when you put intellectual property and you buy, you have to have a business partner that's affiliated with the Chinese state when you do business in China. And by the way, they will steal your intellectual property. Uh, and if it's nailed down, they'll figure they'll steal the nails. They have been very aggressive about trying to do that because what they want to do is move all that intellectual property to China so that they don't have to depend on the United States or any anybody else. And they again, they say that, and that's what they're talking about doing. And so we just got to shake ourselves out of it. And as I say, you know, pull our pull our head out of our collective backside here. And it, this is not, you know, warmongering. It's not saying they can't ever be our friends in the future. But you have to understand the threat as it exists today. And we need to get corporate America aligned with understanding mm-hmm. what's at risk for our economic and national security prosperity moving forward. And, Mike, I just want to push back a little on this and tell me if these facts aren't correct. They have, they have, ripped, out, they have ripped out that free market uh, principle that existed for the Jack Ma's to emerge with Alibaba. They've thought that was a threat. They have young people who aren't working or refuse to work. They have a housing bubble that's beginning to crash. Uh, they have environmental issues, and they also have the zero COVID policy that has million people at the drop of a hat, a million millions of people at a drop of a hat, locked in their houses, oftentimes without any food or nourishment. So they do have some issues over there. Oh, they absolutely have uh, issues. They also have because of the one-child policy something on the order of thirty million. Marrying age adult males more than marrying age adult females. Um, and so they have some economic problems. And what you just saw with President Xi, who's now going to be leader for life here, is that they're, they are worried that they created this fire, which is based on a semi capitalist system, and it pulled 650 million some Chinese out of poverty and put them into a, what would we call, we, we would describe as a bit of a middle class. And they understood they were starting to lose control over the grip on the country. So he has gone after some of the, that free market tenant that allowed some of these people to build you know, big and successful companies. Uh, and he's gone after them, and he's put people in jail, and he calls it corruption. So that will have an impact on their economic growth. Absolutely. And that's a problem. What I worry about is that he spent a lot of time, energy, and money 
on re- modernizing the Chinese military uh, and spending really, you know, the, the, the Russian military you see on the battlefield is not the Chinese military you would see on the battlefield. It's very technologically advanced. And so what, right. what I worry about is you get all those problems, Brian, and you have a, a very strong military. Uh, and by the way, they just surpassed the United States in the number of ships in their Navy. Right. And they've said that they want to compete with the Blue Water Navy of the United States. That just tells me, you know, when you have all those problems you listed, sometimes you go to a military solution. And that's what worries me. Mike Rogers, thanks so much. Thanks for the coverage. Thanks, Brian. When we come back, I'll take your calls. 1-866-408-7669. Brian Kilmeade Show. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The world of business moves fast. Stay on top of it with the Fox Business Rundown every Monday and Friday. Listen to the Fox Business Rundown starting May 20th at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Six-point advantage, or a four-point advantage for the Democrats now in the generic congressional ballot. When they went up to you and said, forget candidates, what party do you think is better equipped to run Congress? I I can't believe it. It's got to be an outlier. It's a YouGov poll. It says uh, Democrats by four. I don't see it anywhere else. Where now the the Cook Report has now moved the Arizona Senate race to instead of lean left for Kelly, now between Masters and Kelly, it's a flip of the coin. Wow. Incredible. Because Mitch McConnell pulled out money there foolishly, and so let Peter Thiel and let Donald Trump fund it, which is uh, is idiocy. If you ever say Donald Trump can be a little juvenile, and I think you're right, what about Mitch McConnell also with Bulldog, who's been critical of him? He won't finance and help him close the gap with Maggie Hassan as they have a—, as they have a uh, a debate coming up. There would be the one and only debate between the two, but she's obviously the most vulnerable one. We know what's happening in Nevada and the seat that they wanted to flip, Pat Toomey's seat in Pennsylvania. I'm going to go over this a little bit later, but you've probably seen the clips. This senator, this Fetterman, Lieutenant Governor Fetterman, is so ill-equipped because of his physical uh, abilities, because of the stroke, because of stroke in May. He cannot do the job. And number two is he's way to the left. How does Pennsylvania, did Pennsylvania switch that much in six years? The Pat Toomey, conservative Republican, who won pretty handily, is now going to give his seat over to a left-wing activist in Fetterman? No way. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back. That was Carly Shimkus. I don't know if, was that picked up, Allison? Carly laughing unprofessionally right before her introduction. (laughs) 
All right, Carly Shimkus, the same. You're the Carly same Carly Shimkus who does Fox and Friends I, first. And so Fox they and say, Friends. yes. Right. I hope I am. I was laughing. Can I tell you why I was laughing? Well, you know why I was laughing. Go ahead. Because right before we go on, you go, I want to talk about Harry's new book. <laughs> I thought you were serious. Right. It's like, well, I don't have a lot of information on that one. Right. This, is a, this is a U-turn. I'm the anti-royalist in your life. Oh, really? Yeah. I just... kind of picked that up. Right. Um, you, you knew that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Ainsley the, balances it out very well, though. So yesterday I was off, and so I missed all. I'm trying to catch up on the news. The news, well, you got this great e-packet of all the breaking news in it to try to f- uh, catch up the one day I lost. And I just said to myself, when I'm reading the story of the Post at the same time I'm watching Brooke Singman deliver it amazing. in the morning about this Hunter Biden story. I'm like, okay, same thing, different angle about the laptop. No, nope. It's not the same thing. What is going, why don't this, you lay that? Okay, the, this does, uh, I think this deserves more attention than it's getting. Although, uh, lo and behold, um, America's Miranda Devine. newsroom was just talking about it. And we did it on Fox and Friends too. Uh, but no, this is new. So there's a woman, her name is Jackie Bow. I had never heard of her before. And she was working with Hunter Biden as either... Conflicting reports, either his secretary or some kind of like a business partner type thing. Who is she? Well, apparently she – hold on. um, She is a Chinese woman who received a degree from a college called Singhao University. Why does that matter? Because that college is a recruiting hub for Chinese intelligence service, like their intel service. So then she starts working for the Chinese Communist Party. She works for the government. And then after that, she meets Hunter Biden and starts working with him. And then this is a, a letter that James Comer, James Comer has been really digging into all of this. He, this these are his words. He says this to Chris Ray because he wants more information on this woman. He says, after infiltrating the Biden family, Bao urged Hunter to encourage Joe Biden to run for president Months before he announced and then supplied the Biden family campaign advice related to China. Why would this woman who essentially went to Chinese spy school be encouraging Hunter Biden to encourage his dad to run for president? And her exact words in a a message of some sort that she sent Hunter is Uncle Joe needs to run for president. And this is the woman that has links to the CCP. And she could help with China relations. And remember, it's interesting. Do you remember when uh, when Joe Biden was Talking and say China's a threat to us. Uh, come on, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're not going to eat there. We're going to eat know. their lunch. Yeah. I wonder if he was getting that information from her, or was he using his own interpretation? It's crazy. No, and, this is crazy stuff. Oh, sorry. So, so the other thing that people can keep in mind, in case people are at home going, "Oh, another crazy hunter story," it isn't because we know this. He had, he invested with a company, got over four million dollars from CEFC, a Chinese utility company that's direct links to the government. Everything is direct links to the government, and what I think is even worse, it is the engine behind the Belt and Road program, which was created to undermine American interests yes, around the world. This is exactly right. So um, here's another uh, line from a Hunter email. Uh, because he did get the $4 million, Hunter and his uncle got the $4 million from CEFC. And in an email, he referred to the vice chairman of, the, of CEFC, Patrick Ho, as his client and an, an effing spy chief of China. Are you kidding me? But the big thing is, is that he was Hunter was negotiating a deal 
with this Chinese company to purchase American natural gas. So China wanted to get their foot in the door. They wanted to have greater control over an American natural resource. And they were using Hunter Biden, the the now president's son, to facilitate this deal. So take Jackie and all this stuff out of the picture. You still have the vice president's son, now president's son, facilitating this transaction, which undermines national security and a a major asset of our country. What I'm trying to make heads and tails over is, did they really, did Jim Comer, who's going to be uh, chairman of oversight if they win the majority, did he really tell the FBI this? And is he telling the FBI, the FBI should be telling us about this. I know. He said that he handed the FBI hundreds of documents, apparently. But where is he getting it from and who's helping? Here's Matt Whitaker, what he told you this morning, the former attorney general of this country, Cut 35. There's a lot of, of, of crimes involving national security that I'm sure uh, the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office is looking at. I have always felt that in addition to sort of the just the, the classic political corruption that is contained in this case, um, there is this national security concern that I think actually elevates it to uh, you know a higher level of a case because you, you, you just had too many um, Chinese entanglements uh, in, in addition to Russian and Ukrainian and other entanglements to not have the start to look like Hunter Biden, uh, especially, uh, you know, as a drug user, was being exploited by uh, intelligence agencies to gather information on his father. Right. And you have to be careful with the story. The reason he um, provided that answer is because I asked him the question. A lot of the stuff looks really corrupt. It could undermine our national security. But is there a crime there? Because keep in mind, this CFC deal went down after Joe was out of office. Right. So he wasn't the vice president at the time. But um, Matt Whitaker did bring up. The fact that Hunter Biden failed to register as a foreign agent, the FARA violation. And FARA requires people who are working on behalf of a foreign government to register if they are trying to influence yeah. U.S. politics. And that's something that Hunter Biden never did. Manafort got solitary confinement for basically that. And so did Tom Barack is being prosecuted now for his ties to a Middle East firm. And because he was very tight with Trump, did he use some of that influence? Right. Okay, where's that? In, where is that same I know. Uh, aggression when it comes to things on the other side? Also, uh, Matt Whitaker said there's no doubt Hunter Biden was part of a Chinese intelligence mission trying to gather enough enough info as possible about Joe Biden. It's shocking how much money was given to the Bidens. Are like, am I in an echo chamber? Right? This is a this is a big deal. And, and why, if it and, was if there was a R next to these people's names, it would be all over. The place. And it was. Uh, and remember, he's being investigated for taxes, uh, and he got a million dollars from a friend of his just to pay off his back taxes, yeah. and is evidently more because when you can make four point five million dollars, you know how much the government wants, and there's all these banking. For example, how many red flags were on his bank account on international business dealings exactly of right. questionable uh, of questionable origin? Usually one is a big deal. He had dozens. It doesn't seem to matter, but it does matter. And I think eventually it will matter if there's any justice at all in this country. But while this is all happening, he ends up with no money living on the lamb out in California with another rich benefactor who's a producer. And you wonder, what is even the link to Hunter and this producer and the president that he wants to take this crackhead in along with his brand new wife? Well, he leaves other kids sprinkled around the country that he may or may not be financing and supporting uh, the head out of wedlock. Uh, so this is the issue. 
even resonating with John Stewart. This oh, yeah. is what he said about Burisma, the gas company that he served on the board with. Cut 36. As far as, like, look, Hunter Biden being on the board of... Uh, Burisma. Uh, to me, that's corruption straight up off the bat. The idea that nepotism would allow much larger amounts of money to flow into the hands of people unqualified uh, to be in the positions that they've been accepted because you think those countries are trying to buy influence. I think it's a huge problem on its face. Yeah. By the way, Hunter was, you know what I think is funny about the John Stewart stuff is that every now and then he does say something that's so obvious, but then it becomes a big deal because you're just like yearning for somebody on the other side to say something that makes total sense and, you know, screaming into wind about yeah. these types of things. So, I, yeah, like Remember, obvious, you, that's an obvious point, but we, thank you for saying it. We weren't friends then. No, we weren't enemies. We were never enemies, were we? Never. Okay, good. Uh, but when John Stewart was doing The Daily Show, he would take shots at Republicans uh, and Democrats. He would take shots at Republicans, yeah. But he'll take shots at Democrats, too, when they do things absolutely ridiculous, yeah. right? So this thing would come out. I mean, the reason why this Daily Show failed, because not only was it bad comedy, this version with this comedian. Trevor but, Noah, yeah. yeah. Trevor Noah. He just uh, never said anything interesting. Right. It was just the same stuff. And what was the point? Uh, just because I guess he's a great stand-up. He sells out arenas. So I, get, I imagine he's extraordinary, a handsome man, I might add. Uh, <laughs> but, but John Stewart used to take shots. That's what made him such an effective commentator. And that's just it. John Oliver— would have been a good substitute for him because John Oliver's way to the left. I get it, but he's very smart. Yeah, he's super and, smart. Right, super smart, and they got these great resources to get a great tape. So it was an interesting show. That's yeah. what got him on the cover. That's what got John Stewart on the cover of these magazines because the interesting takes, and totally. he would be a thought leader. But what he said about the lab I, th- when exactly. he was on Stephen Colbert. That's, the, that's another example. Do we have it? What? Do we have it? I yeah, if it. not, we'll have it on, uh, the, uh, we'll have it when we have it on the break. But to me, yeah. there's there's another thing that I'm going to be doing on One Nation on Saturday. The Hill did a story on it, is that the the non-relevance of the late-night shows in this comedy cycle, in that comedy cycle, in this Political news cycle. Political cycle, yeah. Because nobody really – listen, I'm not going to Steve Institute, Stephen Colbert. I might as well just go to MSNBC. Yeah. It's not humorless. Do you remember how uh, Jimmy Fallon – remember when he had Trump on and messed up his hair and it was like a funny moment? And then right. he was – Excoriated. It was for like normalizing him, and he had to apologize. He apologized for the sitting president. I, well, I think that they were both running at the time, weren't they? Okay. I think it was. I think it was Hillary, and obviously he had Hillary on, and then he had. Trump if he had on. an ounce of guts, he would said, "No, I'm going to do this. I want Democrat. I want Republicans to watch too." I know. If he had an ounce of guts, but maybe his company doesn't want him. I'll, I'll but give what are you up, apologizing Jimmy. for? I mean, it's crazy. But it never got enough attention for uh, for that uh, for that reason. But the other thing that I find I miss it is SNL. I I wanted to be the I wanted to hear what they were doing with Gore and Bush. I wanted to hear with Kerry and Bush. Yeah. I wanted to hear with Obama and Hillary. Uh, I wanted to hear with Obama and McCain. And that's when it really started switching. When they just did old jokes on McCain. I know David Letterman just would open up with how old is John McCain? Boom, 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 boom. When he's been a fun guest, and I thought to myself, what's going on here? Right. He knows it's not funny. And he's doing it anyway on a comedy show, and now everything's gotten so much worse. I know. It, it is sad. And now we're getting into this situation where there's comedy for conservatives and comedy for liberals, and then everything is so split. 
like the there's the Babylon Bee, and then there's the Onion, and there's certain stand-up comedians that lean more to the right, and everybody else. And it's just like, do we really want a country that divided? So, uh, Alice, I don't know if I told you, but Pat O'Rourke says he's been doing stand-up. You know, our, the, he opens up all those shows with us, uh, my friends since high school. And uh, he, he's going to be there on December 2nd with you. He opens up and does a half hour. And he says, you know, he was reluctant to do a lot of Trump stuff in the beginning. Uh, he's not against. He just thinks what's happened to this country is not even, you know, it's ripe for comedy. Yeah. So it might come off as pro-Trump or not Democrat. And the beginning he was reluctant. He said, I all of a sudden open up with two or three jokes and the laughs are so loud and they ripple. It's almost as if people are letting it out now. Right, yeah. And he says, Forget it. I throw caution to the wind. I don't even think about it. That's great. So you went to college. You went to high school with a stand-up comedian? Uh, Pat O'Rourke, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, he, afterwards, yeah. Uh, afterwards, he started getting involved in it. Um, he's really good. He knows um, – well, well, we'll talk about it in the break. Uh, when we come back, we got a little, we're going to uh, talk a little bit more about this. Also by the fact that $6.3 million has been poured into New York and New Jersey. Why? By Democrats because they are beginning to panic yeah. about losing congressional seats. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We will not talk about Harry. Brian Kilmeade's New York Times bestseller, The President and the Freedom Fighter, is now out in paperback and has a brand new afterword. Go pick it up today wherever books are sold. More of Kilmeade coming up. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. That's not a real high money cost for a costume. That is true. I'm going as Brian Kilmeade. Just going <laughs> to walk gotta around get and some cry. lifts in your shoes. And- put a lifts in yeah. and put a backpack on and cry. <laughs> wow. What is, what is uh, Greg Gutfeld, who's obsessed with me? I... Right? I mean, does he have... Is, I mean, I think he mentions you maybe two or three times every time I do. Do you have other people, like, in, the, in your life, do you have other people in a healthy way that are obsessed with you, that always keep mentioning you? No. I so, I, like, I, have, I know no one that can really give me worthy advice of how to have this guy meet other people <laughs> uh, to remove the target. I think he should be flattered. He doesn't just do it to you, though. He does it to all of Fox and Friends because I think he's more fascinated by... Getting up early. Yeah, and, like, the fact that we're happy. Right. It bothers him. Well, he once said that he... Did you know that once he filled in as an anchor on Fox and Friends and he said it was the worst job he's ever had to take? Because oh, it's just... I mean, he's the most talented person ever. I, you can't say anything bad about Greg, but it's just not... You know, everybody has their lane, and that's just like the opposite of anything he'd ever want to actually do. Right. Is wake up early and be like, you know, cute and fun. And by the way, have, have I ever cried that you know? Not of? in front of me. Right. So why would he even refer to that? I don't so know. He, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, all right. So as I mentioned before, I, I could not believe the generic poll, the congressional generic poll is actually four points for the Democrats. I don't even, I'd throw this out. When, what poll, though? Um, it was the YouGov poll. Oh, It was in today. Okay, excuse me. I'm sorry. (laughs) For now, when you make a comment, I'm going to go, oh, whatever. Uh, That wasn't directed at you. That was directed at YouGov. I don't know. I mean, I can't believe that that is indeed the case. Uh, So yesterday, uh, you have a situation where a half a point separates Warnock and Walker. Out comes another woman with an accusation that he paid for an abortion. Here's Herschel Walker's answer to the accusation. Despite the fact that she was there answering questions... And says that she has voicemail from him. Cut 24. Well, that's a lie. And I've said that's a lie. And I, think, I hope people can see right now 
that Raphael one out and the left would do whatever they can to win this seat bite. But I don't think they realize that they messed with the wrong Georgia in here, that I'm not going to stop. This seat is too important for me to stop thinking that they can try to scare me or force me out of this seat because that. So what are your thoughts? It's a lie. She has voicemail, a press conference. Uh, Ainsley was saying this morning, he's like, I don't think people care anymore. Yeah, I think there's been so much mudslinging in this particular race because there's also on the other side, you have that video footage of Raphael Warnock's ex-wife who they got into a huge fight and she's I believe speaking to a police officer. She's crying. She's saying all he cares about is power and he ran over my foot. Uh, and then there's some allegations with Reverend Wright. Yeah, the um, housing for low-income folks and all that stuff. That the so, Ebenezer Church owns these buildings, right. and the minute they fall behind, they they just throw these people out in the street. So I think it's all salacious. I think that if you're a Republican, you're voting for, uh, you know, you're voting for, if you're a Democrat, you're voting for Raphael Warnock. If you're a Republican, you're voting for Herschel Walker. And I don't know. I do think that some independent voters could be swayed by these types of things. After the first abortion allegation came out, um, Herschel Walker's poll numbers did go down. Right. Uh, and then they seem to be come back up after the debate. Carly, imagine if this is a runoff. How well, much more? I think more, it's going to be. And if, especially the balance of the Senate, if, if you don't get 50%, you got to run it off in December. Yep. Can you imagine how many people and how many speeches for Warnock and how many people are going to come out for, for Walker? It'll be insane. But yeah. it will not be ignored. I know that. Last time Republicans were told by the former president, stay in, it's all corrupt, and Republicans were fighting with Republicans, so Loeffler and Purdue lost. Yes. Don't you think it's, they're all going to get into this? Yeah, without, oh, without a doubt, especially if it's 49, 49, right. or, you know, and that, that one seat is it. Uh, we could be talking about the midterm elections until 2023. Thanks, Chloe. Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, heard around the world. Big hour coming your way. Mark Thiessen, uh, we're rounding him up. And Congressman Greg Stubbe, uh, the great athlete from Florida, is going to be talking about a lot of, I don't know, uh, DeSantis got about a 10-point lead, but there's a lot of focus on his race because they think he's a presidential candidate. And number two, Marco Rubio, a tough fight with Val Deming. She's got the, uh, she's a, you know, her and her husband are big uh, political heavyweights on the left, and she has the uh, the law enforcement background. But she was not strongly for law enforcement, and she's trying to rewrite her past. But Rubio's got about a six-point lead there, and the president announced he's going to have a rally. He's also going to have a rally with J.D. Vance, I think, tonight. I did WHIO, did a hit with them this morning, uh, and uh, it looks like he's going to be rallying with J.D. Vance today. I hope the president gives him a, a plug without a hit. He's saying, well, this guy used to hate me. Uh, now he likes me, uh, but uh, J.D. Vance, about a two- or three-point lead, that's uh, estimated. But let's get to the big three. 
Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. Number three. There's no doubt that Hunter Biden was part of a Chinese intelligence um, mission that was trying to gather as much information as possible about Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and the entire Biden family. And that is the former Attorney General, Matt Whitaker, talking about what we now know. Hunter hijinks reaches new heights as a new intel reveals his assistant slash business partner was a Chinese spy and has uh, access to the father who she was urging to run for president. We'll talk about it. Number two, the spending. Republicans are spending 80 percent of their money on offense, 20 percent on defense. The Democrats are the opposite. They're spending 20 percent of their money on on offense and 80 percent on defense. Over time, that kind of funding difference is going to erode uh, Democratic gains. Midterm mania reaching new heights as debates, polls and accusations fly. But could a red wave be stifled? A new congressional generic poll trending Democrats way. I'm talking about a poll that needs to be looked at, but I don't know if what it's based on. Number one. We're making serious progress in getting prices close to what they were before the pandemic. That is Joe Biden coming up with some interesting takes on the economy, which did grow at a respectable 2.6%. President Biden offers a fictional view of the economy in his America, what he said and what his numbers show as his blame game strategy reaches new heights, or dare I say, new lows. So with the president said yesterday, it's just crazy. For example, on the price of gas, cut one. And by the way, the price of gasoline continues to fall. It's down for the third week in a row. They're down $1.25 a gallon from the beginning of the summer. And gas prices in the decade before the pandemic were averaging $3.30 before the pandemic, before I got here. So it's three seventy-six. number one. It was going up over the last two weeks, dropped over the last two days by about a penny. He emptied the streets he called the reserve that's been warned that it's a folly move by Saudi Arabia and now Russia. And to get us, what, a dime less at the pump, making us, I don't know, it's, I think, half full at this point or 52 percent full at this point. When he took over February 17, 2020, gas was two dollars and 51 cents. But he just says stuff that's not based in any fact. Furniture is up 10 percent. Coffee's up 15 percent. Women's apparel, which I don't buy, but my wife sells, up 7.3 percent. Sports equipment up 6.5 percent. So this is roughly what's going on. Eggs up 30 percent. We know about the food. So the president's got to decide. Last week, kind of a dumb move, saying that, uh, saying that abortion rights were first and foremost. He wants to codify Roe. Really? Okay. That was good in July, Mr. President. Who's advising you? Interesting take that the reason why the abortions aren't resonating right now in blue states is because women are smart and they know in blue states you don't have to worry about anything changing when it comes to abortion, when it comes to Lee Zeldin. Well, he's pro-life. Excuse me. It might be pro-life, but like Marco Rubio mentioned as a Senate candidate, he as a governor candidate says these, these laws are on the books. You need legislation to pass it. He is pro-life, but the state isn't. So he will honor that. So people know that, which is why it's not resonating, and the economy is. So the president comes up with it. I know he didn't come up with it himself, but listen to what his focus was yesterday. Cut three. One of the key things I've asked the council to take on was the unfair hidden fees known as junk fees that are taking real money, real money out of your pockets, real money out of the pockets of American families. Things like, as been mentioned, surprise banking overdraft fees, excessive credit card late fees, hidden hotel booking fees, 
for those huge termination charges to stop you from switching cable and internet plans to do to a better deal. Yeah, that's dancing on the edges. I mean, you could do that. Is that your big grandiose? You have Nancy Pelosi running the country around going, I'm tough on crime. And even though it's desperate and it's got no sincerity in it, she sincerely does know that they're getting killed because the number two issue or number one issue is crime in cities and suburbs. That really constitutes a lot of America. So now you're making enemies of industry again. So the American Hotel and Lodging Association responded to President Biden's claims that hotels are jamming in fees. Says hotels strive to create memorable experiences for all guests every day. That means delivering amenities and services that meet our guest expectations and evolving tastes, offering real tangible value and ensuring that booking transactions are transparent. The Hotel Association most recent data shows that 93% of hotels do not change resort fees. Also, as I welcome in Mark Thiessen, Mark, check this out from the Washington Post Fox News contributor. Check this out. President Biden. Uh, says, well, I, I should let you hear it. Here's what he said about airlines and, and resorts. Cut four. Last week, the Federal Trade Commission started work on a rule to crack down on unfair and deceptive fees across all industries. Fees that were never disclosed, never disclosed. And there was no way to avoid the fee, like processing fees for concert tickets or like resort, uh, resort fees. When you think you're paying one price to book a hotel, you only find out after you're checking out that there's a resort fee you've never heard about that's added to your bill. Right. Thanks, Mr. President. He goes on to say when it comes to airlines, uh, he says if you want six inches extra room, they charge you for it. No, you're paying for more room. It's called extra leg room if it's jet blue. Uh, He wants to get rid of it. He says it's really unfair to, drum roll please, people of color. So now, if you ask for more leg room and get charged for it, it's unfair to people of color. Where did these junk fees make the priority list? What do you think about that, Mark? I don't understand why he's focused on this when we've got the worst inflation in four decades, the worst collapse in real wages. I mean, if, if in, 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 in 40 years, if people's wages were going up and people didn't have a problem, they wouldn't have a problem paying an extra 25 bucks for for extra legroom, <laughs> like why? Why is this your? Why is this, seriously like 14 days before a a uh, a, a red tsunami hits? He, he's talking about legroom fees. What? 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 I mean, what? On you know? How about this? I, I Do you have to bring plenty, race into everything? I've been on Air Force One. There's plenty of legroom there, but I, but uh, you know, good lord. <laughs> yeah, it, it's unbelievable. And are they trying to say that people of color are are heavy? They need more room, and they're getting charged for it. I don't. I don't even know, but people just had a field day with this. Um, and here's the Daily Wire. Frank Fleming says things are looking really bad for Democrats, but will message on airline charging extra fees for more legroom hurts minorities. Uh, will that turn things around for them? I, I don't think so. And when you see Nancy Pelosi traipsing in the country, uh, desperate to know, let everybody know that she's tough on crime, that shows desperation. What about six three put six point three million dollars? Put into congressional races in New York and New Jersey because they're panicking. Put it in perspective, Mark. I mean, they're 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 flailing. They're they, you know, first Joe Biden goes out and he tells us the economy is strong as hell. So which most Americans say, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> then then he's you know talking about legroom fees and ran you know I guess systemic racism in legroom. Uh, is the new Democratic talking point. <laughs> and he's, now he's running around saying, like, well, the American Republicans will make things worse. It's like, I mean, could it, could, could it get worse? 
<laughs> the, the the bar is the the bar is uh, pretty low for 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 that. I mean, it, it's just uh, they we're we're just in a mess. They're the Democrats are. They don't. They don't. They know that this is coming. They know that they know they can't stop it, and they're just flailing. So we we saw Lee Zeldin do fine in a debate. It clearly won. Governor Hochul's comment, well, "Why you're so obsessed with penalties for criminals?" I think is going to ring an infamy. But that will be the story of this election because I've said that when he was down allegedly down 24 points, he seems to have the makeup at the right time in the right place against the right opponent to make a real run at this. I believe it's 50-50, Mark, from, from 30,000 feet. You're outside New York. I'm in the middle of it. What do you think? Well, I'm, an, I'm a New Yorker. I grew up in New York City. I remember when Rudy when the last time we had a crime wave like this was in the 1990s, and, and New Yorkers turned to Rudy Giuliani, a great, who was a great Republican mayor, to, to clean it up. Um, you know, you would think that, I mean, even when they, when they elected Eric Adams, the reason they elected him is because he promised to crack down on crime, and he hasn't done it. Um, so, you know, maybe they're frustrated enough at this point to uh, to uh, turn to a Republican. Uh, it's really hard. The, New York is very different. The electorate's very different than it was in the 1990s. Uh, but, you know, if, 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 you know if, they, if, they, if they really want to fix this problem, you can't do it with, with, by turning to a Democrat who pretends to be tough on crime like Eric Adams does. You have to, you have to elect a Republican who's really going to do it, and, and Zeldin is exactly that. So Here's 20, hope. Maybe, I want you, maybe it'll happen. Uh, this is the moment that I think works for, for Lee Zeldin. Cut 28. The first day that I'm in office, I'm going to declare a crime emergency and suspend Castle's bail and these other pro-criminal laws because there is a crime emergency. My opponent thinks that right now there's a polio emergency going on, but there's not a crime emergency. Different priorities that I'm hearing from people right now, they're not being represented from this, this governor, who still, to this moment, we're at, what, we're halfway through the debate, she still hasn't talked about locking up anyone committing any crimes. Anyone who commits a crime... Under our laws, especially with the change we made to bail, has consequences. I don't know why that's so important to you. All I know is that we could do more. I don't know why that's so important to you. Yeah, that's devastating. Uh, you know, and and here's the thing that we that we have learned, and why this is probably affecting this race in a way that it, it wouldn't otherwise. It used to be that crime was sort of ghettoized, right? There were there were dangerous neighborhoods where where crime was affected, but. Most you know, middle-class New Yorkers could go about their lives and basically not not be affected by the crime in their midst. It's not happening anymore. The fact that there was a drive-by shooting outside Zeldin's home, who he, it, which is a leafy uh, suburb in Long Island that that you know that it, that doesn't have a high crime rate, you know, the, the, it shows that it's it's spreading everywhere and everyone feels endangered. I mean, I think there was a poll. The New York Post had a poll that over 70 percent of New Yorkers personally are afraid that they're going to be the victim of violent crime. So I think it's the, the crime is, is not only is the, that the murderer, there are more murders in America last year than there have been since 1994. Um, it's, it's not that the murders are higher, the violence is higher, the subways are unsafe. It's that it's spreading everywhere, um, that it's, it's, not, it's not contained to certain high crime areas. It's everywhere. And I think New Yorkers feel unsafe. And when people feel unsafe, they, they turn to Republicans, even if they don't like them on other issues. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, the other big story is Fetterman. Uh, what he did the other night when he opened up and said, hello, good night, everybody. I said, this is going to be a long night for him. It got even worse. Yeah. And the fact is that people are saying their their takeaway is who let him debate. My question is who let him run? 
who would allow yeah. him to run, get the nomination and hold? What Democrat would say it's in the best interest of the country and the party to allow him out there? Here's uh, here's a little bit about the most consequential statement, which is a flat out lie on fracking. Cut seven. I absolutely support fracking. You have made two conflicting statements regarding fracking. In a 2018 interview, you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. I never have. But earlier this month, you told an interviewer, quote, I support fracking. Oh. Uh, I, I, I do support fracking. And I don't, I don't, I support fracking. And I stand and I do support fracking. I mean, we're going to elect this guy. Number one, he's lying. Number two, he never did, and he probably will and never will. So so here's the problem. So if John Fetterman was elected, he would not be the most cognitively impaired senator ever to serve in the United States Senate. Um, And and he clearly has trouble reading – I mean, hearing and processing information. He clearly has trouble speaking. The problem is, is that most voters who are being asked to vote for somebody who's had a stroke want to be assured that those are just speech and, 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 and word processing issues and not that he's really truly cognitively impaired in the sense that he can't understand the issues, can't function, right? And the fact that he won't release his medical records or put his or allow reporters to talk to his doctor who, and ha, who would go on record and say that John Fetterman has no cognitive impairment other than speech and, word, and, and, uh, and processing issues. That's what's what's so devastating. It's not just that he it's not that he has a disability because lots of people with disabilities have served in, in, in office. It's that he has been not been transparent about his health. And so people look at those quotes and they have to assume that that represents his cognitive ability, not just a, not just a, uh, a motor processing issue. So it's it's so, the it's the fact that he's been not been transparent that he's covered up his re- he hasn't released his medical records yeah. he won't let anyone interview his doctor and ask tough questions people are not going to take a risk that he's not capable of doing the job let alone uh, reveal that he's got a left wing Bernie Sanders like series of philosophies on issues that matter most changing them yep. without without acknowledging that they're changing he didn't say you know I've come to light on this I've talked to people in Pennsylvania yeah. I've changed my mind on this. It just said, no, I never said that. What do you mean you never said that? So it's maddening. Yeah. Mark, thanks so much. Always great to talk to you. All right. one eight six. you got it. one 408 7669 When we come back, we'll be able to open up the phones and expand on this. Other Senate races, they just moved a key race uh, in Arizona to now toss up. It's devastating for Democrats. Don't move. Hi. Good night, everybody. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Who doesn't love a yellow school bus, right? Can you raise your hand if you love a yellow school bus, right? Just, there's something about... And and most of us, many of us, went to school on the yellow school bus, right? And it's part of of our our experience growing up. The excitement and joy of going to school to be with your favorite teacher, to be with your best friends, and to learn. The school bus takes us there. Yellow school bus, right? Yellow school bus. What is wrong with her? 
Uh, what an embarrassment. So many people wrote me and said, yeah, my yellow school bus, that's where I got beat up. That's where I got bullied. Alex, listen on WABC. Hey, Alex. Hey, good morning, Brian. Was that Kamala Harris? She, yes. Uh, yeah, uh, she sounded just insane. Her voice was also different than regularly. But I, I called about your fantastic interview with Donald Trump that you had on Friday. But I first wanted to say at the beginning of this hour, you mentioned that eggs are up 30 percent. I don't know where you bought, bought your eggs, but two years ago, I would buy in the same store I buy today. Today's days for eggs, one dozen for 105. Two weeks ago, I bought five dozen eggs. It was $25. That means it's $5 a dozen eggs. Nuts. Uh, so it's absolutely crazy. But about your interview with Donald Trump, you asked him if this election is going to affect whether he runs in 2024. And he's and I think he's going to run regardless of whatever happens. But the question is, are we going to allow him to run in 24? Because if we lose this election now, this midterm, it's all because of President Trump. We'll see a lot of these candidates are ended up much better than anyone thought, including Blake Masters. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. We're making serious progress in getting prices close to what they were before the pandemic. The most common price right now in America is $3.39 a gallon. It's going to come down more. And they're going to come down even further when gas companies, when the oil companies agree to our demand, my demand to pass on the savings from the price of a barrel oil, which is considerably down, to the pump. (laughs) He's again trying to vilify. He's trying to vilify those who actually are making a profit in this country and without even knowing anything about the business, because a barrel of oil is a certain price, and the the gas at the pump is not going down as quick as you want it to. It doesn't mean someone is trying to collect profits, or it doesn't mean someone is gouging. He keeps saying the same thing over and over again while not listening to the response. It drives me nuts. Joining us now is Congressman Greg Stubbe of Florida. Uh, Congressman, he continues to always try to find somebody to blame have you noticed that? Saudi Arabia, uh, they're the blame. Uh, we're going to reevaluate that relationship. The Putin price hike, uh, he's the cause of all this. Now it's the gas companies. That's what's causing the pain for Americans, not him. Yeah, and it's like it's been like that his entire administration because he can't take responsibility for the actions that they are directly doing. From gas prices to inflation, you name it, they are actions that this administration has taken with their war on domestic production of oil and gas, which are causing the the prices where they are. They're almost double what they were when Trump left office, all because of the decisions that they're made. For the first year that Biden was in office, they just blamed Trump for everything. It was all it was all Trump. They blamed them for everything that was happening. And now they got a shift of blame because they can't be blaming Trump two years after he's left office to Putin, to the Russians, to the Saudis, to everybody else except where it squarely lies. Today, as he sits in the White House, he could, with the stroke of a pen, reverse the over 100 executive actions his administration has taken on the war on domestic production of oil and gas, and you would see relief to consumers at the pump. He's not doing it. Uh, So far in these debates, we're finding some things going on. I don't know if you're following it, but so many New Yorkers have gone to Florida. They might be telling you the story. What's happened with Lee Zeldin in New York? What does it tell you that we're in a virtual flat-footed tie in a state that is three to one Democrats to Republicans? Well, one, it shows you 
how disastrous the Democrats' policies have been on our country and that people are finally waking up. Even Democrats are waking up. And I, and I do see it. I see it every single day here in Florida. I was in Charlotte County last night. Everywhere I go in my district, I can't tell you how many people will come up to me and say, I, hey, I moved here from New York. I moved here from California. I had three people come up to me that said they just recently moved here from L.A. and that the news, it, does, it pales in comparison to what's actually happening on the ground in L.A. and in California. And it was so bad that they moved to Florida. Uh, our district is booming. The state is booming because they know there's freedom in Florida. They know that there's going to be law and order in Florida, and that's what Americans want. And so at some point, they, they say enough is enough, and I'm going to leave where I've grown up or where I've lived or built my business to come to a place where they know it's safe and secure, where they know that they're going to have freedom and not have mandates, and they know they're going to be able to live the American dream in a state like Florida that they can't live in places like New York City. Yeah, well, yeah, they just can't. Overall, uh, there seems to be a trend uh, in this country right now away from Democrats, and that is why they've changed their stance on it comes to crime and punishment in particular. They still haven't taken a real interest in the border and claiming that they never looked to defund the cops. And then there's this thing called debates, and it's just flat out uh, earned respect that people like Tudor Dixon, Zeldin, and others are getting. And Fetterman is losing. Here's Kellyanne Conway, cut 19. I see the Democrats right now because Hochul was so terrible last night against Zeldin. Whitmer was so terrible against Tudor Dixon. Obviously, John Fetterman was the worst against Oz. They're not going to tell us debates aren't even important because they need to run Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in debates next time. So watch for that, everybody. It's not just that this wasn't a good format for John Fetterman, that why are we even doing debates? They're not important. Yes, they are. They are central to democracy. So that is true. And Tudor Dixon, Blake Masters are in the middle of a surge. Even Don Bulldog, even though he's getting almost uh, no support from the Republican Party, he's within single day. He's within five points of Senator Hassan. Can you compare this to any other time in your career? Not in my lifetime, not in the time that I've been in politics. And I've been in politics for 12 years, uh, served in the state house and state Senate before Congress. And it's because of all the disastrous policies that a democratically run entire government, they have the House, the Senate, and the White House, have put on the American people, and the American people are finally fed up. And it's that moderate woman, it's that independent voter that drives these general elections, and it shows you that they're going towards Republicans. If you look at the polling and you read through the actual overall numbers and you see what people care the most about, it's inflation, it's immigration, it's border security, it's the, it's the things that we have been talking about. Then if you look deeper... Who do they trust for on those issues, crime, uh, immigration, border security? They trust Republicans by like 20 points. So those people know that that's affecting their everyday's, everyday lives, and they're going to elect candidates that they know are going to change that, and they trust Republicans overwhelmingly compared to Democrats on those issues they care about. It's so far, it seems that. Here's the president, though. He thinks he's got, he's got the sweet spot. Cut three. One of the key things I've asked the council to take on was the unfair hidden fees known as junk fees that are taking real money, real money out of your pockets, real money out of the pockets of American families. Things like, as been mentioned, surprise banking overdraft fees, excessive credit card late fees, hidden hotel booking fees, or those huge termination charges to stop you from switching cable and Internet plans to, do, to a better deal. So he says it's hidden fees he's going to crack down on. The hotel business who immediately put a press release out saying, we don't have any hidden fees. 93% of the people say that everything that they thought they got, they were going to get, 
and just explain themselves. He vilifies these these uh, these areas, and they got to defend themselves. Oil and gas can't get out the statements quick enough because he keeps acting like they're the bad guys. And now he's got it with these hidden fees with banks and hotels. And get this, airlines who basically are racist if they charge you for extra leg room. Yeah, it's insane that we're going to constantly, that the Biden administration constantly is going to blame corporations and businesses and the people that make America run, the people that actually employ America. Uh, and that's not the problem. The problem is the trillions of dollars that this Democratic majority has dumped on the economy that has caused the inflationary effect that we have, the war on domestic production of energy that the Biden administration has had, which has added to that inflationary cost because everything has to get on a diesel truck to get to where you're purchasing it. That's what's affecting the lives of everyday people. And inflation alone, do away with all these so-called hidden fees. That's nowhere compared to what a family of four. I think the number I saw was $6,000 additional a year uh, uh, that inflation has laid on them because of the policies of the White House and the Biden administration. There's no way that people can recover from that with so-called hidden fees that corporate America is is, uh, putting on people. It's just not the case, but they have to point the finger somewhere else other than their policies. So what is uh, the IRS is about to get 87,000 more agents. That's not stopping uh, them from rejecting loan applications for thousands. What's going on here? We have people in my district who are filing FEMA claims and SBA claims. But because the IRS has been so backed up for so many years, because for two years they didn't even show up for work, they didn't even come into the office because of COVID, they're still using COVID as a reason why all of these returns are delayed. We have millions of Americans whose returns have not been returned all the way back to 2021. So now when my constituents go to file a FEMA claim or go to file an SBA claim because their house has been destroyed by Hurricane Ian, they're being rejected because the IRS hasn't done their return yet. It's not to any fault of their own. They haven't done anything illegal or inappropriate. It's not that they haven't filed their taxes. The IRS just hasn't gotten around to doing their taxes. And so now they're being uh, penalized because they're filing for FEMA and SBA assistance and they're getting denied because the IRS isn't doing their job. So that's why we need 87,000 more agents? No, the 87, and that's an interesting point. You would think that they would take those 87,000 new agents and actually push them towards the backlog, but only 3.2 billion of the 80 billion that was earmarked for the IRS is actually going towards taxpayer services. Everything else is going to enforcement. So 95% of the $80 billion to hire 87,000 more IRS workers, it isn't to help the American people to, to deal with the backlog. It's to go after the American people and small businesses and conservatives with a political ideology for enforcement proceedings. It has nothing to do with helping everyday Americans to ensure that they do their job and get their returns completed on time. Interesting. Uh, we're talking with Congressman Greg Stubbe. Congressman, you have that military background. You're in the uh, Airborne Infantry Officer, a JAG Corps officer from 2004 to 2008. And we see right now that Republicans uh, seem to be questioning a little bit of their support to a degree. Over 50 voted against the latest aid package to Ukraine uh, and a handful of senators. Uh, meanwhile, Vladimir Putin stated that Ukraine has lost its sovereignty, reestablished that in the 26th. He's looking to take the whole country, too. 
and Russia as uh, uh, the occupation, this is the good news for Ukrainians, uh, of Kyrgyzstan is about to end as they're being pushed back gradually. Do you believe it's in America's best interest to support Ukraine? We have, I mean, the first aid package was $45 billion. The overwhelming majority of uh, Congress supported them. But at some point you have to say, when are we going to have oversight on the money that's being spent? I voted, voted for the first package, but I voted against all the rest of the packages because the administration has refused to provide us information as to how it's being spent. There's no guardrails on it. And quite frankly, I support the America First agenda, and I think we have our own issues right here at home on the border, right here in my district where people are – homes have been destroyed and are trying to make FEMA claims and SBA loans to get their lives back together. And that's where the focus of the American taxpayer dollars well, should be. Well, We've spent $65 billion in Ukraine, which is more than any other country in the world and more than we've given anybody else in the last 20 years, including Afghanistan. A couple of things. The follow through. How could they reject you? That makes no that, – that, that's not constitutional. The Pentagon says, I'm not telling you where the money is, where the weapons are going. I've had classified briefings and without, you know, obviously disclosing the details of that, where we have not been provided answers to the questions that I just asked. See, I think follow through through works against their interests. If you're not going to tell people where it's going, they're going to say, I'm out. Uh, So that we don't have oversight. You're not providing us that information. Will that change if you if you guys are in the majority? Yeah, because now we have subpoena power, we have the gavel power, gotcha. and we can do those classified briefings, but subpoena the information and get the information. If we don't get the answers, put it before the American people. See, I think, as a far, I think as foreign policy, I believe you can enforce your border and you can have a foreign policy. And I think that destroying the Russian, watching the Russian army be destroyed is in our best interest and reining them in uh, is, is that is America first, don't you think? We need to have accountability for the money that we're spending over there, and that's important to taxpayers, certainly in my district and to this country, to ensure that the money that we are spending and that they say are going to help Ukrainians and going to weapons. And I asked this question, and I didn't get a response. Uh, What happened to all – so Blinken recently made public the whole list of weapons and ammunitions and stingers and artillery and all that that we gave to the Ukrainians. They couldn't even answer for me where that, that is at. Has it been used? Have you depleted our own military assets to give military assets to Ukraine? All of those answers need to be answered because we need to ensure that we can we can protect the safety and sovereignty of our country first. Right. And if those things are answered, you might change your view on the need to support Ukraine. If you see that they're going right to the people on the front lines and if we force our allies to do the same because they seem to be falling way short in their support. Oh, that's another thing to this whole mess is the Europeans, the people that are closest to this war in Eastern Europe need to start coming up with the resources. Nowhere They, they have spent nowhere near what America has spent, $65 billion to Ukraine, uh, which is way more than any other country. And uh, the other European allies and NATO allies need to start stepping up if America is going to take a larger role in this. I do. I agree with that. But I, do, I definitely see – uh, a need to stop Russia. They take Georgia. They take Crimea. They're going to move in on the Baltics. It's going to be a much bigger problem in years to come. And you, as a military guy, I think that if you're in, if you're looking, if you go to the Pentagon in the majority, and you and and they start giving you a hard time about the fulfillment of where this stuff is going, I mean that's going to undermine their own. That's going to undermine the whole operation. 
Uh, and I remember the same thing with the, uh, the Iraq war. But I felt like Bush was being more responsible and saying exactly where the war was going and the, and the arms were going. Give us answers and give, give Congress the oversight ability that Congress has. The Democrats aren't going to do that. And that's why it's so, it's so important that we take the majority back, just, just, not just for that reason and oversight on defense spending, but all the other things that we've talked about that we can rein in a completely out-of-control White House and progressive agenda. Congressman Greg Stubbe, who's in Florida, which is increasingly turning red, almost like Ohio has become gradually, it's, becoming, it's happening, really because of the effectiveness of political leadership. Uh, a governor uh, and senators there, as well as what's happening in Ohio. We'll see if it stays that way. Congressman, always great. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. one 408 7669 I see you up there. Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Just quick announcement. The president of Freedom Fighter is back on, uh, back out, uh, but this time in a paperback version. I've added uh, in the epilogue all the things that's happened since the book came out in terms of taking down the Freedom Statue in Washington. It stayed. They took the one down in Massachusetts and Frederick Douglass statue ripped out of the ground uh, during the, uh, the uh, George Floyd riots and what it means to look at a war on history and how to win it. But go to BrianKilme.com if you want it personalized. Also, tonight, I'm going to be in Bayshore, Long Island at Barnes & Noble. Uh, WABC listeners, RCN, I'll be at Barnes & Noble. And I look forward to seeing you in person. Uh, get there. I'll be able to talk first around 7 o'clock. And then I'll get to all your books and be able to personalize them for the holidays or whatever you have coming up. And then on Saturday, I'll be in Rochester, New York. First time ever, Barnes & Noble. Uh, I'll be there in the afternoon. Just go to BrianKillMe.com. You have all the details and make your reservations. And don't forget, live shows. Talk about all the book, War on History, winning it. Uh, in Brandon, Mississippi, on November 12th, November 13th, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, KRMG listeners, I hope to see you all out there. Go get tickets. And then December 2nd in Newark, New Jersey, the New Jersey Performing Arts Center, full of Fox surprises. Gerard, listen to WSKY. Uh, hey, Gerard. Hey, good morning, Brian. It's great to talk with you. Um, I wanted to talk about the John Fetterman and uh, the whole debate thing. When someone campaigns for office, it's a job interview. It's a vetting process for the American public. And the fact that he didn't want to really have a debate or had one late in the game just shows they're trying to hide from the issues. I think that Fetterman, voluntarily, he's got enough cognitive ability that he understands that he's running for Senate, okay? He understands the office that he's trying to aspire to. That means that everything is on the table, his cognitive abilities, his past policy positions, his past performance. And I think that the uh, right should stop being apologetic about trying to say, well, everybody's empathetic to an individual that has had a stroke. Of course, we all are and wish him a full recovery. But that doesn't mean that he's aspiring to a position in the Senate, the world's greatest deliberative body. I hear you. I know. I I 100 percent agree. I thought that before the debate. The answer isn't, why did he debate? No, it's like, why is he still running? And also, if uh, I wanted to expand on what I said before, for the Brian Kilme tour, just go to BrianKilme.com, click on book tour. I'm probably going to be in the city right near you. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. we got a busy hour coming your way. Democratic... Uh, Democratic 
former Nassau County Executive Laura Curran will be with us talking about the state of her party that she predicted about a year ago was going to have a huge wake-up call in the midterms and Matt Schlapp, uh, as powerful a voice on the Republican conservative sides as anyone uh, as he runs uh, CPAC. He'll be with us in a matter of moments, and we're just watching the President of the United States. No press involved, but he goes to a junior college in Syracuse, New York, to announce manufacturing coming back, chips being moved, and a major company coming to upstate New York, but not uh, New York City. Uh, uh, AOC made sure we don't want to have any tax breaks for any companies opening up and possibly having jobs. So that goes to Syracuse. I'm happy for Syracuse. Bringing chips home is always a good move, but at what cost is the other thing? And have you ever seen a president of the United States have less press access? You know where he's going after his event in Syracuse? Delaware. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. There is no doubt that Hunter Biden was part of a Chinese intelligence um, mission that was trying to gather as much information as possible about Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and the entire Biden family. That is Matt Whitaker, former attorney general, acting. Hunter hijinks reaches new heights as new intel reveals his assistant, uh, a, or a Chinese spy, was a Chinese spy, urged him, by the way, to get his father to run for president. You concerned about that? You should be. Number two. The spending. Republicans are spending 80% of their money on offense, 20% on defense. The Democrats are the opposite. They're spending 20% of their money on, on offense and 80% on defense. Over time, that kind of funding difference is going to erode uh, Democratic gains. And that's what's happening. Midterm mania reaching new heights in debates, polls, and accusations we'll discuss. Number one. We're making serious progress in getting prices close to what they were before the pandemic. Uh, we'll see. Uh, President Biden offers a fictional view of the economy in his America. What he said and what the numbers show as the blame game strategy reaches new heights. I mean, new lows. Matt Schlapp, welcome back. Uh, how are you feeling less than two weeks into the midterm elections? Matt Schlapp, uh, chairman of CPAC. Host of CPAC and uh, former political director for President George W. Bush. Are you there? Okay. We'll try to get him back online. So here's what the president said. I'm kind of astounded. So when prices uh, go up, he blamed Vladimir Putin. When uh, 2 million barrels of oil are taken off uh, OPEC Plus uh, out of production, now he blames Saudi Arabia, said they'll be punished. When, uh, when we have inflation, he says blame the pandemic. That's the president's attitude. That's his approach. And I'm not really sure why, what experts is telling him this is a good move. Here he is yesterday. Cut one. And by the way, the price of gasoline continues to fall. It's down for the third week in a row. They're down $1.25 a gallon from the beginning of the summer. And gas prices in the decade before the pandemic were averaging $3.30 before the pandemic, before I got here. It was $2.51 a gallon. It is now $3.76 a gallon. That is substantially up. You just empty the strategic oil reserves. It's just over 50% full to get maybe a dime off the top. It makes no sense. If you want any type of foodstuffs like eggs, pay 30% more. Furniture and bedding, 10%. Coffee, 15%. And it goes down from there. From sports equipment to women's apparel, another. everybody's paying more for everything, including gas and oil. Instead of the president saying, maybe stuff I did or here's what I'm going to attack it, 
He's not doing that. He's blaming other people, and he's saying things are better than they are. Look, it looks like the economy grew at 2.4%, slightly better than anyone thought. But that is not making people feel better because the first time in many of their lifetimes, their dollar is worth less. Their paycheck is not going as far. And and here is uh, Matt Schlapp to join us now. Matt, the president of the United States uh, is blaming Saudi Arabia. We know he's been blaming Republicans. We also know he's been blaming Vladimir Putin for what's going on right now. And now he's also blaming the oil and gas companies. He says, I want the number at the pump to reflect the number of the barrel, the, the cost decreasing at the bar- by the barrel to be reflected at the pump. Your, your thoughts on this strategy? Well, he's also blaming airline companies for being racist by not giving people enough legroom. Look, the fact is, is Joe Biden's grasping at anything he can. Uh, including name-calling to people who disagree with him politically, semi-fascists, et cetera. Um, And the the scary thing is, uh, Brian, is the the Democrats have this wrong. They keep saying, well, the reason why we have high inflation is a global phenomenon. What they don't get is America drives the global economy. And America made a lot of mistakes. We super-juiced our economy. You know, we, we were in this pandemic, but Biden used it to pass trillions of dollars of emergency spending. And at the same time, he started sending the message that he was going to cancel every fossil fuel project. Uh, project. He said, we're going to get off fossil fuels. That sent a message to everybody running a fossil fuel company. You got to diversify. You got to get out of fossil fuels. And what happened with that? Prices started to skyrocket. He, you know, on the first day, he canceled the Keystone XL pipeline extension, canceled it. And now he's running around trying to beg Venezuela and Iran and uh, the Saudi prince for oil. It it makes America look weak and defensive. And, you know, Joe Biden has no answers for the uh, for the economic woes that the American people are going through. Matter of fact, they've all figured it out. The Biden policies are making it worse. It does seem to be that way. So the one thing that's pretty clear is that he always finds somebody to vilify the oil and gas companies, as you mentioned, also the hotel industry. He says there's too many hidden fees and people are being surprised about how much they're paying. You spent a lot of time on the road. I thought it was an interesting thing to go after the hotel industry, who's been basically put on a respirator over the last two years as everyone stopped traveling. Now, if he wants to go for junk fees, he wants to go after that. They are pushing back the whole industry. It says that 93% of the people say uh, the hotels do not charge resort. They say, number one, 90 Ninety-three percent of the people are satisfied with the bill they have. When it comes to resort fees, as they apply for, they're clearly and prominently displayed by hotel websites prior to the end of the booking process, in accordance with the guidance issued by the U uh, by the Trade Commission. Or else they're going to get screwed and fined. So why is he taking aim at industries all the time? Dear oil and gas companies, dear hotel companies, dear airlines, dear all big companies, you all went woke. You all said that voter ID was racist. You all want to pay for nine months of abortion for your employees. You've, you signed on to Black Lives Matter and defunding cops, and now we have disaster in our society. And the Democrats hate you, and the Republicans used to defend you, and the conservatives were your action troops. And you've gone against us, and uh, you're going to have a very, 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 very bad time in Washington come January because we're going to have these Republican majorities who no longer like corporate America because they called us all racist, and the Democrats want to nationalize them. They're in a bad spot. They better change. They better get back to neutral because actually it's the it's the red America that says airlines should charge what they want. They should charge the fees that they need to, and oil and gas companies should drill, baby, drill, and get those prices lower. We're your allies. Quit fighting us. 
Here is a, so the biggest story is the Republicans uh, were in fear of having that seat, Pat Toomey's seat, flipped in Pennsylvania. And then we're watching John Fetterman refuse to campaign, refuse to talk, refuse to do interviews, finally agrees to a debate. And it was an absolute disaster because he clearly is failing since his stroke and his policies he's reversing that are so unpopular from fracking on down. Here's Fetterman trying to explain his way out of it in Pittsburgh with Dave Matthews. He's going to be joined on the stump by the president and former President Obama. Listen to him yesterday. Cut nine. Not only are we still standing, we are still winning. I still up in the polls. I'm running to serve Pennsylvania. He's running to use Pennsylvania. And here's the right also about that debate. I may not get every every word the right way, but I will always do the right thing in Washington, D.C. Feel better? <laughs> I was just in Pennsylvania. I've been talking to Dr. Oz uh, every little bit while he's on the campaign trail. Met his really dynamic son who's in medical school. Um, it's a nice family. Dr. Oz is going to win that race. And why do I say that so confidently? The American people are sick and tired of this war on America, and Pennsylvanians love their country. They believe cops are important. They think parents should raise kids. And they don't like all this animosity and this anti-Americanism that the Democrats have brought in. Fetterman is about the weirdest candidate I've ever seen try to win statewide. And what happens in a big red wave – what happens in a big red wave, Brian, people don't get this, is that the close ones go red. And Oz Oz has brought this thing to a tie. He's going to win that race. But you know what? It's never too late to blame Dr. Oz for something, even though he never brought up the stroke and never uh, mocked him on the closed captioning, which this guy, Fetterman, only practiced once. He could have been practicing all day to get it down to be smoother. And twice Dr. Oz practiced with it. I don't think he needs any practice, nor did he need closed captioning. Here's what this CNN doctor, Jonathan Reiner, said on CNN, I should add. Cut 12. I take care of people like Mr. Fetterman who have had atrial fibrillation, which is where we think his stroke came from, how it originated. And I admire his courage to go on that debate last night. He had to know that he was facing basically a a fast-talking TV doctor who at times seemed to be talking almost intentionally faster in the face of Mr. Uh, Fetterman's difficulty speaking. Sometimes it appeared almost cruelly faster. He had to know that Ah. he would get the kind of... uh, reception that that he got from that cruelly faster how dare dr oz talk cruelly fast i never heard that before i mean it's just that <laughs> the, 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 the covering that's being done on tv for fetterman i know we all say this is uh, you know at least my side as republicans you know if a republican was trying to run for the united states senate clearly debilitated everybody would take him on. You watch this. If Donald Trump runs for the presidency, I think he will. They'll all talk about, oh, my God, he's too old. He's too old. They never talk about Joe Biden being too old. They say Joe Biden is you know, trying to unify us. And look, I just think the American people have figured this out, Brian. You know, They don't hate the Democratic Party. They understand that there's two major parties. But in the end, the Democratic Party turned full woke, full left, full anti-American. And I don't think that means the voters are in love with the Republican Party. We're just more practical. We try to do things that work. We try to do things that make sense. And when people go on MSNBC and CNN and try to say that a stroke victim running for Senate is actually not a stroke victim running for Senate, but like this crusading, courageous person who's wonderful, it doesn't make any sense. Matter of fact, 
I don't know if Fetterman has like ever even accomplished anything in his life. When you look at his bio, he's he's a rich kid who wears a hoodie, and and if that's what they want in the Senate, go for it. But I don't think that's what Pennsylvania wants. Yeah, I don't think so either. I'm fascinated. I've been following the the New York race, and most people on the outside said, "What? Why does it matter? Lee Zeldin doesn't have a shot." 24 down, 12 down, 10 down, 8 down, 6 down. And then on Sunday, he was uh, within a point and then up half a point. And then they had the debate on uh, on Tuesday. What did you think of what you saw the debate? And do you think that Lee Zeldin actually is in a dead heat? Like, What does, uh, yeah. does Matt Look, Schlapp of CPAC think? Everybody I know besides like Brian Kilmeade, uh, who uh, thinks normally got the hell out of New York seem like so many people moved. So I told Lee, I'm like, Lee, what are you doing? All the Republicans I know moved. And he was like, no, 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 Matt, we got a shot. You got to believe. So we, I'm a believer. I think Lee Zeldin pulls this out. Why? A lot of reasons. But, you know, in New York, uh, you know, my parents are New Yorkers. I grew up outside of New York for four years. In the 70s, it was a dangerous place to go. And everyone who remembers that time now thinks we're right back there again. By the way, it took decades to get out of that. Talk about New York's in a good... Being a bad spot. And Lee Zell is going to pull this off. And by the way, she says, why do you care about crime? She said that that's one of her statements that will live in infamy. So The View took on this topic in New York City, as left as it gets. Alyssa Farah uh, Griffin, who's become a big critic of Donald Trump and used to uh, work for Donald Trump. But listen to her here uh, with Sonny Hostin, uh, as well as Joy Behar. You'll recognize the voices. Cut 31. I think the plan is fear-mongering. I really do. No, this because is a response to Democrats York, saying New defund York the has, police. It, New York is one of the safest cities in the country. It has a $5 do you billion feel that, budget. Though? I don't has feel a safe in New York. budget for the police. I live so, in the city. It's I not don't about feel you know, safe. It's not about the police. Oh, you're very young. You are. You're 32 years old, was yeah. it? You know, I've been around, and there were worse crime rates in the 80s. And I the agree, 70s. but we shouldn't settle. I was afraid to leave my house at some point. But we shouldn't settle for that. <laughs> You're too young to comment on crime. Yeah, to comment on sucker punches. Now that we have so many cameras, people being shoved in front of subways. Uh, maybe Lee Zeldin shots fired across uh, through his house, uh, not through his house, but by his house, being attacked on a platform. But you, you're too young. New York is fine. Yeah, and, and Brett Kavanaugh having uh, a man abducted right outside his house where his daughters are. Yeah, um, you know this, and, and and where are the Democrats calling out the violence? They never called out the violence of Black Lives Matter until much later, and it was pretty sheepish. Kamala Harris tried to get those people back out on the streets the next day. It, this embrace of violence is wrong, and and this idea that somehow the Republicans are fomenting violence out there is is terribly wrong. It's the it's the Democratic Party that is normalizing this idea. Let me just tell you, as you know, the FBI has delayed putting out a lot of the state-based data on violent crimes because it would hurt the Democrats. It's part of the politicization of the FBI and DOJ. If we all knew the real crime rates, um, they would be shockingly high. And why do we know that? I walk the streets of these cities. You walk the streets of these cities. The drugs, the homelessness, the fact that cops feel like they can't do their job anymore without getting sued or fired. It's having a devastating impact. And by the way, Brad, who are the victims? It's not a bunch of white people. It's a lot of people of color, and that's why Hispanics and people of color are going to be voting Republican. In, the, in historic numbers, they know that like their kids are born, born boys and girls. They want their girls to compete in sports. They think parents matter. They fled socialism. They know it doesn't work, and they want to be safe.
Yeah, I, I think that that is adding. Governor Hogle saying the numbers say we should be fine. But if you don't feel that way, that's really on you. Now they're trying to crack down on crime. Nancy Pelosi's doing it. Lastly, uh, $6.3 million has been spent in New York, New Jersey on congressional races by Democrats. Uh, and that is shows panic in those blue states. Matt, it's an exciting time. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Brian. Great to be with you. And you can follow him at M. Schlapp. When we come back, your calls. Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Good night, everybody. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. You know, the campaign was opaque at the very beginning. They didn't really disclose the degree of his illness. We don't really know how sick he was. In fact, his treating physicians were never made available to, to the press or the public. So we don't really know how much Mr. Fetterman has actually recovered. It might in be- fact, at the debate, he was asked if he would release his medical records, and he, he basically said no. So you know, he might have had a massive event, and if you know, people who had seen him originally might now say, oh, my God, he looks remarkably better. And, and I bet he does. But not knowing how far he's come, it's very difficult to know how far he can go. It would be good for the people who care for him to be made available to the press. There is no sin in having a stroke. There's a lot of, of honor in the dogged determination that it takes to recover. And I, I admire that. What I don't admire is the way sort of the campaign has handled the disclosure of his illness. You think they should have been more upfront and transparent about it? Absolutely. Of course. It's disrespectful. Uh, Mike, listen on the Fox News Radio app in Glendora, California. Mike. Brian, good night. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to, uh, to say real quick, uh, tomorrow, of course, is going to be the Freedom, Freedom uh, of Information Day, you know, with, with uh, Twitter. We should re- rename that day to uh, Freedom from Wilkins Day. But I'm calling because uh, what, you, what uh, this is with Fetterman and the election, uh, this is classic bait and switch. Now, he's just a place. I know. I know what you're saying, Mike. They think it's going to be his wife that takes over. That's the rumor. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The first day that I'm in office, I'm going to declare a crime emergency and suspend Castle's bail and these other pro-criminal laws because there is a crime emergency. My opponent thinks that right now there's a polio emergency going on, but there's not a crime emergency. Different priorities that I'm hearing from people right now, they're not being represented from this this governor, who still, to this moment, what are we, halfway through the debate, she still hasn't talked about locking up anyone committing any crimes. Anyone who commits a crime... Under our laws, especially with the change we made to bail, has consequences. I don't know why that's so important to you. All I know is that we could do more. You don't know why it's so important to you. It's the foundation of all the lawlessness in the city and almost every major city that's adopted this same crazy go to, you know, go, go to town uh, with your criminal behavior. Same thing in Chicago, same thing in Philadelphia, same thing in San Francisco, same thing in Los Angeles. And it's almost as if the Democrats have just removed themselves from any type of danger that the average American is feeling, the average New Yorker certainly feeling. Laura Curran joins us now, former Nassau County executive, a Democrat, and host of Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran. Uh, Laura, 
you or somebody almost a year ago who said the Democrats are in for an awakening of the midterms because you it happened to you uh, in the off year election, right? Right. I, you know, I sort of I came on your show on Fox to talk about this, and it was January second, and I got a lot of uh, shall we say anger directed my way from some of my brethren in the party. But I really wanted to serve this as a wake-up call. You know, I think sometimes politicians spend a lot of time listening to the consultants, looking at the polls, when really you have to listen to the people. And, you know, one thing that we had a very good record on when I was county exec was public safety. Safest community in America three years in a row, according to U.S. News and World Report. But the crime issue really hurt the Democrats in that off year. And as I say, kind of a canary in the coal mine, let's look at this, let's take it seriously. And I feel, you know, any chance I get, I'm screaming from the rooftops, do not underestimate this issue. It's a primal, visceral need to be safe. And if that's threatened, you know, people are going to look to their leaders and maybe look to dump the ones they, they don't think are keeping them safe. But it just, you know, I think the Democrats, in general, kind of got seduced by, ooh, Trump's numbers are terrible, let's talk about that, or Roe v. Wade, which, you know, was, let's face it, good for the Democrats. Uh, It's not the only issue that people are thinking about. So it's funny that here we are. I don't want to be right, but I I fear that perhaps I will be. We'll see in a couple of weeks. Right. I mean, absolutely. So now you have Nancy Pelosi running around the country saying, I'm for law and order. And you have other people saying, I was never for defund the police, but we seem to know better. And I remember Commissioner Ryder, Nassau County Police Commissioner, you worked so well with, was out beside himself about the disaster of the bail reform. He said, you don't understand, we cannot get cases together quick enough in order to keep this guy, or mostly men, behind bars until a case can be built. The time turnaround time is just not practical or possible. So now the result is a lot of people aren't even making the arrest because it's not worth it for them to put themselves on the line to make the arrest about somebody that's going to be let out again. You know, when we talk about bail reform, the focus is often on cashless bail, but you point to the other aspect, one of the other aspects, which is the discovery time that prosecutors and other law enforcement have time to get their cases together. It's so short. And I think that's part of the re you know, it's making it very frustrating and very difficult to bring cases and do it in a timely manner. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of prosecutors, a lot of line prosecutors, ADAs looking to do something else with their lives. And that's, you know, that's not good either. Right. So what was your take on the Zeldin-Hokel debate? I, you know, I think the day before or the day it was going to happen, I talked to a lot of people just randomly. You know, I like to see what people are thinking out there in the world, post office and the bank and whatever. And a lot of people were looking forward to the debate to make up their mind. And usually people have already made up their, their mind by the time the debate comes along. Uh, I don't know if either candidate changed anybody's mind. I don't know if anyone in the middle thought, hmm, you know what, I'm going to go one way or the other. Um, I thought they both did what they had to do. I, I do feel, uh, you know, Hoke, uh, Zeldin was very amped. He seemed extremely caffeinated and really passionate and excited about what he was talking about uh, in a way that some people found a little bit off-putting. And, and, and I think Hochul was perhaps a little too cautious in talking about her concerns about crime. I think in her heart she is a moderate Democrat, but uh, perhaps, and I haven't spoken to her about this, perhaps she is concerned about, about the base and making sure that Democrats actually come out and vote. Because it's crazy that this race is so close at this point. 
Democrats have more than two to one advantage in registration to Republicans, and I think everyone just assumes that Zeldin was going to lose. Obviously, that conversation has changed. There's a lot more excitement and money coming into him right now. Uh, and I, I don't know if those folks in the middle of Hochul actually work to change their minds. I mean, when asked about Alvin Bragg, she was, you know, he was duly elected and then pivoted to January 6th. Understood. Uh, Laura Curran with us, former Nassau County executive. Laura, give people a perspective around the country how big Nassau County is. So Nassau County, if we were a state uh, population-wise, there would be about a dozen states smaller than us. So it's the, it's the size of a, of a respectably sized state. And it kind of mirrors the demographics of the rest of the country in terms of racial, ethnic, religious backgrounds. We got so we got a little bit of not really rural, but you know, very sort of woodsy, lovely. We have sort of urban uh, vibes. We definitely have yeah. suburbia. It kind of reflects the country. And you know, I think what we saw in Nassau County is something we could see writ large in a couple of weeks. We'll see. Uh, there's also it, a difference. In, it's almost a purple area, right? It's not too red. It's not too blue. It can go either way. Bruce Blakeman right. beat you this time. You won last time. Uh, and right. he was a Republican star world for a long time. But the corruption got so thick, it, wiped, it opened the opened the floodgates for an honest person like you to come over and just say, can we get this budget straightened out? Uh, can we stop right. sc- t- stealing from the st- uh, from the till? But you're almost a victim of your party, like Glenn Youngkin was able to pull off an upset. Uh, Bruce was able to upset you. So, Laura, you're sitting here as somewhat of a moderate. Governor Hochul's from Buffalo. No one's really from the city. So when you talk to Governor Hochul, do you think she understands the diversity of the state? I think she does. I think being from upstate is helpful for that. She's not locked into the city bubble. But uh, my concern is that her consultants have given her bad advice. And I think, you know, uh, the Zeldin had a zinger about, you know, the Rose Garden strategy, how's that working out? And that's kind of inside baseball, but the Rose Garden strategy has been, you know, she's been going to ribbon cuttings and groundbreakings and doing, you know, regular governor stuff to show that she is the governor when perhaps being more of a, of a, of a campaigner, really being out there, having rallies, getting labor going, getting the base going might have been a better decision. Of course, it's easy for me sitting on the sidelines. It's 2020 hindsight. But sometimes you can get locked into that consultant bubble and that pollster bubble. And I think that's what's happened here. Well, I I think that's uh, that's 100 percent right. The other thing is you let the mayor and governors fight. If I'm the governor, I get involved in that. As illegal immigrants were were bust here, because why should border cities be the only ones to pay the price for the president's ability to uh, decision to open up our border wide open? And when he left those, when he's telling the Arizona governor to get those containers off the border, that's helping them block and and uh, funnel illegals to at least one one area. You understand where he stood, and that, and I think a lot of. A lot of city dwellers are upset because their lives are a mess because so many illegals and homeless are are overwhelming the shelters and are are all over the streets. And it's not, look at woe is me, they can't make rent. This is a lot of violent people who should be in jail or institutionalized are now uh, open season on the average American. So when Governor Hochul in particular, do you sense within the Democratic ranks there's a Cuomo faction working against the Hochul faction because they seem to hate each other. Yeah, I think there is some bitterness there uh, from what I've gleaned. Uh, the other interesting thing is is the role of Mayor Adams. So it seemed in the debate both Zeldin and Hochul were 
trying to claim BFF status, you know, and I get the sense with, with Mayor Adams, who's going to help him more, who's been with him more, who's more supportive of him. But I feel in reality, uh, Adams has kind of been left on his own to deal with a lot of these issues. He was handed a bag of crap when he got into that office from the previous administration and, you know, the crime issues. And then he's got this federal problem. You know, people are looking for local leaders to fix the immigration problem, but that's really a federal issue, which a lot of people I speak to think that the Biden administration has just failed at. And then there is the Cuomo faction. I think, you know, I don't know if there would be schadenfreude. I don't think any, any Democrats want Hochul to lose, but uh, maybe, you know, Hey, maybe if Cuomo was still here, maybe he could be tough enough to, to squelch the Zeldin guy. Uh, so you remind me a little of Telsey Gabbard, uh, a little of um, the type of person, the moderate that's trying to get people's attention. Here's Telsey Gabbard yeah. who decided to leave the party. Just talking about the progressive wing of the party who's um, who just seems to be separate from the other Democrats, and especially when it comes to Ukraine. Cut 38. These so-called progressives did a very simple thing that apparently uh, can appear to be brave in Washington these days. In that letter to President Biden, they just told the truth about how this ongoing proxy war with Russia is increasing in cost and consequences, both on the Ukrainian people, but also the American people here at home and how it's negatively impacting gas prices, increasing inflation, and so on. So they, they got rebuked by the party. There's people on the Republican Party who are against, this, uh, are against continuing to fund this conflict. Well, where do you stand, Laura? When it comes to Ukraine? Yep. Uh, I think we have to stand for democracy. I think it's really important to support uh, Volodymyr Zelensky and the people of Ukraine against this this bully, this thug, who, for some crazy messianic reason, thinks that that this country is his and it's not. And I think you know, I think our role still is to defend democracy, home and abroad. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, I'm with it. It's going to be into split, especially after the election. We'll see what happens. Uh, President Biden's got an interesting take about a handle inflation. Blame Saudi Arabia for the price of oil. Blame Vladimir Putin for the price of energy. Uh, blame Republicans for not going along with anything. Uh, and and now he's got somebody else to go after. Uh, people with fees. Cut three. One of the key things I've asked the council to take on was the unfair hidden fees known as junk fees that are taking real money, real money out of your pockets, real money out of the pockets of American families. Things like, as been mentioned, surprise banking overdraft fees, excessive credit card late fees, hidden hotel booking fees, or those huge termination charges to stop you from switching cable and Internet plans to do to a better deal. The hotel industry is pushed back. Obviously, they've been through hell through the pandemic. They basically so many went out of business and so many major corporations still haven't recovered, saying that they're not hiding fees. They're all transparent. What about this strategy? I think it's everyone can relate to these fees who read their utility bills and cable bills and all the small small print. But I'm a little bit concerned about the need to constantly blame. Uh, When you are a a leader in business or in your household or in government, you know, you're you're it. You're the one in charge. So casting the blame here and there, uh, I guess it's appropriate sometimes, but you can't always do that. It's not always somebody else's fault. Sometimes things are your responsibility, and you have to have to talk about what you're doing. Now, in fairness, Biden is pointing at a problem. He's saying what he wants to do about it. But I do see, and this is with both parties. I mean, this is a lot of elected officials. It's, it's casting blame, saying, oh, it's not me, or it's this one's fault and that one's fault, so let's hate this person or that person. Uh, this culture of blame is not helpful. I don't think it's very healthy either. 
uh, prediction? Who? In which one? <laughs> first, uh, first in the Senate. Do you believe there's momentum going a certain direction? Yeah, you know, I, if you asked me a week ago, two weeks ago, I would have said 50-50. Now I think we're going to be 41, uh, uh, excuse me, 51-49. Uh, for Republicans or Democrats? Caution, I'm going to say for Republicans. Uh, and, I, you know, one thing that I would caution voters, there's really big differences when you're voting for your legislator, for Senate or Congress, or for a governor. Governor is, pe- are, is the one who's actually going to be running things, who's actually going to be operating the government. And that's incredibly important. Absolutely. Uh, vote one, come one, come all. If there's anything good about the passions people have right now in politics, everyone's voting uh, more than Thank ever. Thank God. When yes. you vote, you have accountability. So I don't care who you vote for, but let your voice be heard and you will be listened to. Uh, the former Democratic Nassau County Executive, Laura Curran. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, check out our podcast, Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Brian. When we come back, we'll finish up with your calls. You'll listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. So don't forget, by the way, you could see me in person. It is a thrill. Just ask Allison and Eric in Bayshore, Barnes & Noble tonight at Long Island. Bayshore, New York. Go to Barnes & Noble. You can actually get tickets ahead of time, uh, but I'll be able to personalize, sign, and speak. Uh, And then on Saturday, be in Rochester, New York. And don't forget, check out my website, briankilmeade.com. I'm going to be in Scranton, Pennsylvania, too, one week from this Saturday. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian Kilmeade's New York Times bestseller, The President and the Freedom Fighter, is now out in paperback and has a brand new afterword. Go pick it up today, wherever books are sold. More of Kilmeade coming up. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'll see you tonight in Bayshore, Long Island, Barnes & Noble. In the meantime, I was just thinking to myself, I know a lot, but I think I need to know more. More to know. All right, here we go. Halloween canceled. 52% won't give trick-or-treaters candy this year. Many blame inflation. They've surveyed 1,000 people. 52% say what I just said. Out of the th- one out of the, these Americans, one in four blame inflation. Uh, that shouldn't come as much of a Halloween shocker since inflation rose 40 to a 40-year high. Previous studies have found that three in four Americans feel inflation uh, inter- uh, interfered with their 2022 financial goals. Six in ten small businesses also fear that ongoing cost of living will ruin them. Also, I keep in mind the fentanyl thing is a problem. People are afraid that it looks like nerds or Skittles. So we will da- – another time, you know what? If Halloween's run out of gas, I think it should just be canceled. Oh, my gosh. You're so just anti-Halloween. Um, but I think this might also be, it's like a flashy headline. But let's be honest. Like it's, the neighborhood you live, live in depends on how many trick-or-treaters you get. Right. Like some neighborhoods you get tons, others you don't. So when we live places where you didn't get trick-or-treaters, you might just not be buying it this year anyway because you don't get them anyway, so why spend the money? Uh, good point. Uh, it's hard to know what the trick-or-treater influx will be ahead of time. Do you get a lot of trick-or-treaters in your neighborhood? Mm. Never seem to be home. Uh, that conveniently. People <laughs> you know, are like, I, do. I, hope- I do. Absolutely. You, you do. That's good then. Next, turkey prices are 73% higher than last year. The ongoing spread of bird flu will likely affect the price. Right now, per pound, 8 to 16-pound turkey, 50, excuse me, $1.99 up from $1.15. Typical bird flu spreads from colder months, but this year, commercial turkey producers reported cases of avian flu in July, a time when farmers are raising flocks in order to behead them and kill them just for you. Already, 46 million birds have been affected by the bird flu. I didn't even know the birds got the flu. You didn't know the bird, you didn't hear about bird flu? No, I, 
you know, I feel like people are using any headline. Just this is the reason why things are more expensive. Next, Elon Musk's Twitter takeover uh, close at hand as banks begin to turn over $13 billion of cash. Uh, ba- uh, banks have handed that over. Uh, because they promised to finance this Twitter takeover. The latest signed the $44 billion deal for the social media companies on track to close. Meanwhile, he is expected to attend a variety of meetings this week at the social media company and fire a whole bunch of people. And did you see the video he tweeted of him I bringing in the sink? <laughs> yeah, he brought in a sink. Get it sinking in. Yeah. Next, Queen Elizabeth's sweet note to Prince William revealed. The correspondence composed by the Buckingham Palace said, William, I hope you enjoy opening this each day from Granny. Uh, the Queen's note was shared on Twitter by the Royal Household Mail Company. So what does it say? The show note reads, I hope you enjoy opening this each day. I don't know what she, what she um, means. How many letters be, did she give him? Because in the first bullet point there, she gave him um, an advent calendar. And that was the note that. <laughs> That's it? It's just a sweet note. It's oh, I thought it was small. like something more substantial. I couldn't wait to get past the headline. I, I know. I think it's just the point that they still valued the small things. Right. Harry got nothing, right? The spare. <laughs> The world of business moves fast. Stay on top of it with the Fox Business Rundown every Monday and Friday. Listen to the Fox Business Rundown starting May 20th at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.